Возлюбленный Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество, все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег, могущество Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше, от Духа Твоего. Пропитай нас Духом Твоим Святым. Позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки, виде Его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец Сын Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Yeah. 
Питной свет светит мне, Освещает путь в ночи глубокой, И всегда ты во мне, Милый друг мой близкий, далекий, Питной свет светит мне, Освещает путь в ночи глубокой,
And so if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depth of the riches of the wisdom of God that belongs to our inheritance, the book of Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. This is one of the wonderful and unique commandments that a person doesn't really think about. But if a person really thinks about whether it's possible to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect in this body, when God says something and calls us to it, that means that we are able. God will never call us to something that we are not able to be. Of course, we can't do this by ourselves and become perfect without the instructions, commandments, statutes, that if we work with, we become perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, so that our Son, as the Son of our Heavenly Father, would then rise, sunrise on the evil and good, and rain on the just and on the unjust. Of course, rains can come only from a cloud that is filled with moisture or water. We have many people today that call themselves the category of the called, the category of the Antichrist who came out from us but were not part of us. These are haters of Christ and they will be destroyed. Only the chosen will be saved. And they don't pay attention to that either, but this is the case. And so when God pours out his rains, he sends his clouds filled with moisture for mercy or for punishment or for fate as a favor and so they go according to his instruction those clouds that do not have moisture that apostle peter writes about and apostle james that these are clouds that do not have moisture that are deceptive it's as if something's there they promise something they promise some kind of <clears throat> liberty when they themselves are uh, in sin and are not freed from this sin and not knowing how to be freed from it and so this promise in the commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations, and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Only students are able to understand, people who accept over themselves the delegated person of God, the authority of God, the teacher, and so a person who does not <coughs> accept this authority over themselves have no part in the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and are not able to have it. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man. Specifically, the goal is that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue, and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets, in which we die by the law for the law to live for the one who died and resurrected. By doing so, receive confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in the form of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God the foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. 
Romans 4.13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Righteousness of faith. <clears throat> this means not justification, but righteousness. First, a person received justification freely by grace, and being justified, he now then could perform righteousness. And if a person does not perform righteousness or does good work to become righteous, then this person is far from the righteousness of God. Only a righteous person can perform righteousness and a holy one can sanctify themselves. We need to know that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. That is our obedience to the words that are preached which is presented in that. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is given only to those men that are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which God sends to us His word by the mouth of His delegated people. Therefore, the form of the covenant of peace within the heart of a man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God and the spoken word of God's delegated ones. To examine a person as to whether he truly is sent by God to present to us His word is to be done by the power of delegation within the implemented by God order and by the existing within our heart anointing to identify the voice of God in the mouth of that person who is supposed to represent the fatherhood of God for us. 1 John 2, 18 through 26. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist, the word Antichrist is a hater of Christ, the person of sin, is coming. Even now many Antichrists, many haters of Christ have come. Where did they come from, by which we know that it is the last hour? They went out from us. Here is the result. Many antichrists that came out from the church. <clears throat> but they were not of us. They came out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all these things. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. First John 2, 18 through 26. If a person says, Lord, reveal to me the voice of that person who is a representative of your fatherhood, God will reveal this to you only one time. He won't do it again and again. He reveals it to you, and you need to be obedient. A person is obedient, obedient, and then is convinced or attracted by something else and starts following someone else, and then after that starts following himself. They pretty much call themselves then an apostle and Christ. They worship their intellect. This is how I understand it, they say, not understanding that none of us can understand this way. In the body of Christ, there's one head, and the head that God has placed as his delegated authority, God will reveal his word. But a person doesn't want to obey God's delegated person. I have my own head, they say. I have my own Bible. I can read it and so forth. This is the misfortune of men, that they do not obey God's delegation. 
By the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace demonstrated in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within the heart of a man evidence of the fact that we are children of God. Therefore, the inheritance of peace present in the covenant of peace is actually the treasury of our hope in God containing the complex of all of the promises of God that when accomplished is the goal of the given to us righteousness. <coughs> And so righteousness is given to us so that we can accomplish these promises. It is righteousness by the means of the peace of God containing the covenant of peace that can and is called to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Only a renewed mind is able to abide in Christ Jesus while the mind of a person hasn't experienced death and resurrection, is not able to be renewed and is not able to be placed in Christ Jesus. And only there, in Christ Jesus, can our mind be guarded. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And with thanksgiving is clearly and understand that everything I'm going to ask for is already placed upon our account in Christ Jesus. The response is there, and it's placed there. Our prayer needs to take what we want, that is, by the prayer of thanksgiving, we thank God, we, we, you thank God, you take it, and you wait. Oftentimes we say a person wants to receive something immediately. Lord, if you don't give it to me today, I don't need it tomorrow. You don't communicate with God like that. He had promised specific things to Adam, but he will fulfill them in the descendants of Adam after 7,000 years, he redeemed Adam and put these clothing of skins upon him, animal skins. He justified a spirit, soul, and body. The spirit and soul received this adoption and redemption, but the body did not. But God saw him as redeemed. He viewed him that way, but even today, it has not yet been redeemed or adopted. If it would have been redeemed and adopted, we would not have been decaying, we would not have been aged, there would not have been aging in our body, and we would not have the desire to sin. There would be a stronghold of resurrection, but today the body continues to be a stronghold of death. God had said by the Holy Spirit to Apostle Paul, but you consider yourself dead to sin, living for God. Do not pay attention to that. Consider that you've died, died for it. Uh, call the non-existent as existent. Proclaim that. Lord, how long will this be? Our forefathers had died. Our fathers had died. We are at the threshold of death and still the stronghold of evil. The stronghold of death continues within the body. When will this end? This is where we need the long-suffering, the quality of long-suffering. The Lord says, I've already done this. Before you, many had died, not receiving what was promised, that they without you would not receive this perfection, this promise of the enthroning of Jesus Christ in the body, when by the law of the Spirit of life, the law of sin and death will be destroyed, when the sinful nature in the form of this uh, ruling sin will be destroyed. 
and our cells will be filled with a different information, what is reigning sin or the old person. This is information passed on genetically from the sinful life of our fathers. This is not a, something physical that can be sensed or as uh, those that uh, work with genetics that studied them, it, they think if they change some kind of chromosomes and the, that something will change, that something will become different. This is spiritual information and it is above materialistic things and those that the, the mortal uh, uh, the mortal man Information can only be changed through repentance and receiving by faith your justification and proclaiming the non-existent as existent. Only then will, will our thoughts change and be in Christ Jesus and be preserved there. The peace of God that is able to guard our thoughts in Christ Jesus are thoughts that are renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Spiritual mind is a person with a renewed mind. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not such subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. And so to be carnally minded is to evangelize, practice spiritual gifts, rebuke demons, to prosper wonderful things that are in Scripture, their promises of God. But a person that is carnally minded, he, he takes on to holds on to these things and is not understanding the fact that we're called to something different. We're called to put off the old man with his deeds, renew our mind, and be clothed into our new person. Because Apostle Paul wrote, you, you don't have insufficiency in any gift, but I can't speak with you as spiritual men, but as of carnal men, of people of the flesh or infants in Christ. Yes, you practice spiritual gifts, but you are of the flesh, not of the spirit, and if you remain in this state, you will be destroyed. It's good that God some, sometimes gives to certain individuals repentance. They renew their relationship with God and ask God for forgiveness. This person is saved as a flame from the fire in this case. God does not save everyone like that. Not everyone is given the privilege to repent before they die. I know many Christian people, especially pastors and episcopals that left and understood that they were going to hell. The unclean don't know that they're going to hell. Only before their death will they understand that. As one will say, I'm not saved. If you're an Episcopal, how you say you're not saved? Repentance is a, is a gift. We can't repent whenever we want to. We can repent when God desires that. The question is, when God wants it, when you hear the word it's written, do not turn away from the voice of the one who speaks when you hear the voice. <clears throat> this voice can be from the stage. This voice can be inside of you. You can be wherever, and suddenly a thought comes into your mind. You need to repent. You need to repent. And then a person says, okay, I agree, but I will do this tomorrow. But he says, do it right now. Tomorrow you won't do it. 
I know what I'm saying. I've experienced that. Tomorrow it will not be. If God calls, God calls at the moment. Okay, I will smoke my last cigarette and then I will repent. No, right now. Do not smoke the last cigarette. Throw it away and repent. If you smoke it, you will not be given a chance to repent. You will, again, put it away, put it away, your repentance, and people say, before death I'll repent. A repentance is a gift. You will re- only repent when God desires it and not when you you decide. You can't decide the time of your repentance and the time of your death. This is what God decides and appoints. And so according to this statement, Romans 8, 6 through 8, we conclude that people who have rejected the condition where the truth of the preached word in the power of the Holy Spirit renews their mind by the spirit of their mind have no connection to the peace of God and are not able to have it. And consequently, such people have no connection and cannot have a connection to the sons of peace either that by the means of the peace of God would inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to apprehend well that it is only by the collaboration of our spirit with our renewed mind that is within Christ Jesus that we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ, be delivered from this reigning sin in our body. This is the glorious promise that will happen right before rapture of the church. A few years, it won't be, it'll be only three to four years before this. A specific category of people will become a wonderful sign in this world, things that have never been for thousands of years. Their body will be a stronghold of resurrection and their bodies As the mind was renewed, the body will be renewed as well. And their skin, their skeleton, their muscle systems within the body will all be renewed. And the most wondrous thing is that people will be afraid to look in the eyes of these people because through their eyes, they will see God. All the names of God will be written upon this body. It will bring forth fear. This will be a stronghold of resurrection and no means of mass weaponry that is existing today will be able to kill that body. Only sin will be able to kill this body and they will not sin anymore because sin will be cast into hell. This reigning sin in their, from their body, they'll be absolutely different. And so it's very important to continually remember that and write it upon the tablets of your heart as it is written. See that the one who reads, <clears throat> who runs, will easily be able to read it. And even though it tarries, wait for it. He will fulfill the promise only when he sees that this promise is written upon your heart, that you're looking at this promise and living by it. It's not possible to live with by this promise and live by materialistic success, two absolutely unfitting with each other things. A person is attracted by one thing, these people at this time will attract as a magnet all the finances of the world, just as Israel 
had received all the finances of Egypt, the wealth of Egypt, before the Church of Jesus Christ in the form of the Bride of the Lamb that will receive the stronghold of resurrection in themselves and be delivered from this reigning sin, their old person, they will, as a magnet, attract all the finances of the world and in the span of three to four years, they will, by the power of God and using these finances, they're going to perform and uh, promote such an evangelism that has never been before. And only after that will they will God take her? Of course, He will. Uh, he will uh, keep her here a little bit longer, uh, so that the Antichrist's days would be shortened. Because if he won't do this, then no nobody nobody will be saved. He will withhold uh, from taking the bride and keep her here a little bit longer for that reason. And to look at the righteousness of faith so we bring about the inheritance of the peace of God and the conditions outlining the way our righteousness needs to garment itself into the armor of this peace so that our minds would be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. We have been studying the following question. By what signs are we able to determine, examining ourselves, that we are sons of peace as well as the sons of God? Because it is by the reign of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves as to whether we are truly the sons of God. As it is written, Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. With this, we have noted that if a person has not died for his nation by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the house of his father, and for his fleshly life, then his justification which he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee will never convert into the quality and format of righteousness by which he would be able to receive the ability to be clothed into the promise of the peace of God so that he in his righteousness would bear fruits of peace, which is why the prepared for them crown of righteousness will be taken from such people, giving them the right to the promise of peace where they can be called sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelation 3.11 We are surrounded by organized powers of darkness. Every one of us. Millions. Because they want this uh, crown of righteousness. They want to take it. The crown of righteousness is the morning star. This is the right to rapture that is given only to those people that by faith have received the promise that belongs to the door of their hope. Before we are raptured, our bodies will be renewed as our mind was renewed in its time. We need to remember that the promise of the peace of God receives its power and its legitimacy within our heart only by the righteousness of our faith in the covenant of peace, which places responsibility upon both sides of the covenant, where each side or participant of the covenant is responsible to fulfill their role that is implemented by God that are obligations of the covenant. And if either of the sides violates the conditions that were agreed upon in the covenant of peace between God and man, we note that such a violator can only be man, then the other side being God is released or freed from the responsibility of fulfilling the conditions of the agreement of the covenant of peace. Therefore, the fruit of righteousness identified as the peace of God within our heart is evidence of the fact that we are sons of peace. 
this serves as grounds or a basis for God so that he <clears throat> can fulfill his part that is contained in the covenant of peace, which consists of leading us into the inheritance of his son so that we would share with him all the things that are written about him in the laws, prophets, and psalms. Because the justification that we receive by right of our birth from the seed of the word of truth has converted into the quality and format of righteousness, where we have obtained the ability to bear the fruits of peace within our relationship with God and with those around us, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12:14. We have noted that in this place of scripture, we are talking about a form of unique and supernatural peace that is able to be done by God only within the boundaries of holiness or be an expression and demonstration of holiness. These outlined and identified boundaries of holiness are the commandments of God containing the righteousness of God. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men, Romans 12:18. That means that it's not possible to have peace with all men. Therefore, the peace that we dare by the inspiration of our mind to demonstrate out of the boundaries of holiness and not as an expression of holiness will be incriminated to us as a serious form of lawlessness for which we will be required to pay a price of eternal life because our communication with people that the scriptures identify as evil company not us but scriptures identify will corrupt our good habits and will transform us into their wicked image do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. A person says, well, there's nothing wrong. This is my, my friend from the past, my, my father, my mother, my, my, my sister, my brother. If your father has become wicked and unclean or your mother, you need to die as Abraham did. He left his father and he went into the Canaan land. He went to the Canaan land and he left him in Haran because his father turned to idols. Christ said to his disciples when they said, allow us to go and bury our, my, allow me to go bury my father and then I will follow you. My parents are not in agreement with that interpretation of the law that you present within your teaching. And he responded, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But you follow me. And so they had already died to me. I understand when I say these things, the lawless and unclean become angry at this and the saints and the holy ones rejoice you see the difference but this is the scriptures this is the word of god it is unchanging and it is eternal and all of our thoughts that are against and resist this will be destroyed and eliminated yes today we can complain and say what how is this you have time to complain and then eternal destruction will come it is your choice. God says, I offer you life or death. I want you to choose life. You are guilty in what you choose. It is not me who had condemned you to death. You yourself have chosen this. It is impossible and criminal to have peace with the unclean and the lawless who support the unclean that in their time accepted the truth but afterwards left their church and turned away from the holy commands that were given to them. I'm speaking the words of Scripture. This is not my intellect speaking. This, these are words of Scripture. 
The very fact of the rebelliousness and resistance of the words spoken by God's delegation who are placed over them testify of the loss of peace in their heart and member them to the category of the wicked. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 20 through 21. <clears throat> this is also in the 49th chapter and other places as well. And by two or three witnesses, every word will be confirmed. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign by which we need to determine that we are part of the sons of peace. This is the ability to clothe your essence into the holy and selective love of God. Colossians 3:14-15. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. We've noted that according to this place of Scripture, the rule of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God, and it is selective, that means it's holy, you say, God is holy, that's good, that means His love is also holy. Holy is selective. Love of God will abide within our heart, and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. By itself, the selective love of God is an uncomprehending for the human mind, goodness of God, or kindness of God, that is inherent to God. Since in the selective love of God, which is the goodness of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending for the human mind goals and works of God called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and His children. God will not build a relationship with people of the world, people that are unclean and lawless or wicked, that have forsaken His truth. He will build According to this love, a relationship with his children, comprehending the love of God is called to fill us with all of the fullness of the peace of God or make us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, is talking about people born from God, baptized by the Holy Spirit, may be able to comprehend, and people say, what, we don't have Christ? For them, if Christ was within you, you'd be a different person. If he by faith will be dwelling within your hearts, you will be thinking about the things of heaven and not the things of the world. And why do you have these uh, conflicts, uh, hate, anger? It's not Christ that's this way. He doesn't have jealousy. Oh, this person didn't uh, say hello to me. He didn't look at me the way I wanted. Uh, a person gets angry and bitter. He's all bundled up and can't be approached. Is it Christ that is demonstrating himself through you when you do these things may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be able to be filled with all the fullness of God 
Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. However, to come to more practical conclusions when it comes to the selective love of God, we decided to look at the character and quality contained in the selective love of God in the form of seven qualities of true virtue presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the spoken words of the apostles and prophets. The love of God, the selective love of God, is in virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And the love, uh, this love is love agape in Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. First, each of the seven qualities of the fruit of virtue contains the characteristics of all of the rest of the qualities as they flow one from the other, complete or support one the other, strengthen one the other, and confir confirm the truthful nature of one the other. They identify the truthful nature of one the other. Second, these qualities are called to be the moral perfection and example inherent to the essence of God. Third, the given qualities are the great and precious promises given to us in Jesus Christ. Fourth, the given qualities are the imperishable treasure and wealth which, with which we need to become rich. Fifth, in order to receive the inheritance of these qualities, it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Sixth, the means that we are to utilize for receiving the power of the Holy Spirit is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. Our faith is our obedience to the preached word, which is the faith of God. Seventh, by inheriting these great and precious promises, we become part of God's divine nature. When we are able to demonstrate God's love within these qualities, since true virtue that we see in the seven qualities and characteristics of the selective love of God have nothing in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of human love that is filled with egoism, greed, and is just temporary. It is the selective love of God in the format of seven qualities of unearthly virtue that is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our earthly bodies and clothe our earthly body into the resurrection of Christ that is into our new person. The quality of the selective love of God does not compare in any way with the tolerant love of man, because the virtue of the selective love of God are eternally existing virtues, qualities, and characteristics of our Heavenly Father and His all-consuming holiness and all that comes from God, because God is love. More specifically, holy love is separated from all that man calls love. And such an uncomprehending for our mind, transcendent love of God is identified in Scripture as the bond of perfection, which directs us to the fact that the selective love of God is placed by God as first or head of all of his other perfections, identified as his virtues. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Colossians 3.14, the bond of perfection of the selective love of God is unconditional when it comes to the seven qualities of virtue. It's not unconditional in general, but only when it applies or is in regards to the seven qualities of virtue. Unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the unconditional nature of the selective love of God in the seven qualities of virtue is different in that it contains burning jealousy of God, all his knowledge and his absolute wisdom that in no way is able to be used for greedy and egotistical purposes or goals of man. 
At the same time, the tolerant love of man toward other men is very conveniently used for greedy and egotistical purposes. Here's what the scriptures say regarding the strength of the love of God. Songs of Solomon 8, 6-7 Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. The measure of, of, love, of the love of God is identified by and is known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who do this evil. God loves those who love Him and hate those who hate Him. Because only loving what God loves and hating what God hates, we demonstrate God's reaction to good and evil. The selective love of God, by its unchanging nature, in the format of seven supernatural qualities, is called to grow us into the fullness of growth in Christ, or lead us into the perfection that is like the perfection of our Heavenly Father. Considering that these seven qualities of virtue do not have an analog in the earthly realm of the human lexicon. The love of God... Not a single dictionary of the world can you find the definitions of these virtues. We have what a loving kindness is, a go godliness, a perseverance, brotherly kindness. We have these uh, understandings, but they're not the same as what the scriptures identify. The love of God is the foundation and atmosphere of the moral and immovable law, opening within our heart the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom. And this is not all. The love of God agape is a sovereign love, which is unconditional when it comes to the people it chooses in its abilities to foreknow and predestine. Because of its sovereignty, the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of those people she selects and never allows her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be within her own boundaries to be violated. These boundaries identify God's burning holiness. In a specific format, we've already looked at the demonstration of the selective love of God in the qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, and perseverance, and stopped to study the virtue of love in the mystery of great godliness. 1 Timothy 6, 3-4 If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which which come envy, strife, and others, for such withdraw yourselves. According to this place of Scripture, we note that the teaching of godliness within the selective love of God and obsession with dispute and arguments over words are not only opposites or contrary one to the other, but are also unfitting by their nature. In Scripture, the discipline of godliness within the selective love of God is presented as the base or foundation of the gospel faith teaching linked together with the great mystery of God. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness god was manifested in the flesh justified in the spirit seen by angels preached among the gentiles believed on in the world and received up in glory first timothy 3 16 we see here the selective love of god in what ha god has done 
Therefore, by demonstrating the signs of the fruits of godliness, we identify the true quality of the love of God agape within the heart of a man, in his words, his actions, and the manner in which he or she dresses, which isn't supposed to prompt instincts of the opposite sex. It needs to be proper. Your clothing. If you are not dressing properly, then you don't have peace in your heart and you're far from the love of God because he dresses intentionally to attract the opposite sex. Being a man or a woman, it makes no difference. You can dress classically and properly and not prompt the instincts of the opposite sex. It's not just garments. It needs to be thoughts and behavior and actions as well. If you will clothe the, be clothed in the right clo- garments, but your eyes will be... Uh, but your eyes will sh- uh, reflect uh, a lust, then... A person had said once, what do I do? Every minute I think about just that. God has created me this way. No, God did not create you this way. You have made yourself this way. God did not create you this way. God created Adam and brought her Eve to him, and he absolutely did not have attraction to other women. He, had one, uh, attra- he was attracted to one woman. We need to understand that. Don't uh, put on God what you yourself have done. In Scripture, the meaning contained in the virtue godliness describes the legitimate relationship of the saints and God bound together in a mutual union or covenant. Further, the essence of the selective love of God in godliness is determined and demonstrated in mutual obligation of God and man, outlined and made perpetual by God in a mutual covenant of peace with God. Relevant to this fact, it was necessary for us to respond to four classical questions. First, what are the characteristics of godliness in Scripture, that of God as well as that of man? Because godliness, the godliness of God and godliness of man are two different things. Second, what purpose is godliness called to fulfill within the relationship of God with man and man with God? Third, what conditions do we need to fulfill to collaborate our godliness with the godliness or goodness of God? Fourth, by what signs are we able to determine that our godliness is truly collaborating with the godliness or goodness of God? In a specific format, we've already looked at a certain part of the first question. What are the characteristics of godliness in Scripture, that of God as well as that of man? And before we study the qualities of the mystery of godliness, we note that we need to differentiate the goodness of God in his favor from the godliness of man that man is called to demonstrate in his love to God. The goodness of God is the kindness of God identified at his good, acceptable, and perfect will, which was formed in the entrails of the Heavenly Father and elevated by him as a commandment. The goodness of God as a commandment of God was elevated by God as a law, a law for himself, his Son, and the Holy Spirit, as well as his chosen flock, whom he foreknew and predestined so that they be the image of his Son, so that he be the firstborn among many brothers for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren Romans 8.29 those whom he foreknew and predestined God's love is unconditional for them selective 
It is selective but unconditional specifically for them because Christ died only for his church, washing her with pure waters by the word. The Old as well as the New Testament identified the virtue of the love of God in the discipline of godliness as one of the greatest mysteries of God himself, which defends and makes the love of God impossible for counterfeit or falsification. Aside from these characteristics called to identify the character of godliness, there's also a counterfeit of godliness that exists as well that will confront conflict or confront the true form of godliness, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. Second Timothy 3 through 5, do not communicate and break your relationship with such that have this look and form of godliness but deny the power of it. True godliness in man perfectly differentiates or identifies a counterfeit form of godliness in man and with disdain breaks all relation or or, or contact with these people and distances itself from them as it reveres and trembles before all the dictations of God and possesses discipline capable of fulfilling these dictations with great accuracy. If we don't break our relationship with people that have the look of godliness and will not distance ourselves from them, then they will corrupt our godliness that is contained in our good habits, which is why we together with them will inherit the prepared for them destruction. In a specific format, we already looked at some characteristics of godliness, as well as in what cases our godliness is called to collaborate with the goodness of God in his favor. Therefore, we shall continue our study of godliness. Godliness in the selective love of God is given to man in the commandments of God. Daniel 3.30, your commandments they did not heed and did not follow them and did not act as you had commanded them so that it be good for us. It will be good for us if we will listen to the commandments of God and follow them. To follow them is to be obedient. It's not just to hear them. To hear them is one, but to listen to them is be obedient to them. And so the word to listen is with the it includes the word obedient. Because you can hear and not fulfill, but to listen is to also obey. And so it'd be good for us so that we experience God's favor within ourselves. We can experience this by His commandments because God's favor is in His commandments. Godliness in the selective love of God is shown in those people that demonstrate the fatherhood of God. Titus 1, 1-3 Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. And so what uh, the apostles have also belongs to godliness by knowing the truth. In hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. He says that this truth that he has come to know it it's, belongs to godliness, and so the apostles are carriers of that godliness or the goodness of God, God's favor, that they would be able to pass on to other men, pass on the goodness of God, the favor of God. 
Godliness and the selective love of God can be seen in the small flock. That is the chosen by God remnant. Luke 12:32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is Luke 12:32. So the favor of God, the godliness of God, is within the small flock. The called, as we've talked about, these are the Antichrist, they will perish. There are a lot of them, they've all come, but to fulfill God's instructions, they don't want to. They came, and they're attracted to healing, gifts of the Holy Spirit, materialistic prosperity. They're attracted by success and power over demons, but it it is attractive to them to cast off his, their old man with his deeds. This they don't want to hear. They want that the love of God be tolerant. God loves everybody, they say. Where did you get this information that God loves everyone? Do you love everyone? You love your children. If the children of your neighbor... Bully your children. Are you going to continue to love them? Are you going to protect them? No, you're going to protect your own children. And for your children, you will do what you need to. You say, if you touch my child again, you're going to have to deal with me. When they called me out, the KGB had called me out and started cussing and speaking profanities. And when they finished, I said, are you, are you now done? And I said, if I press this but the, a button, then you will have to uh, meet with such a authority that will destroy you because my God is a ruler of all things and God forbid that I press this button and God will start with your wife and children so you see that so you will understand that you threaten me and then he said brother let us make peace why is it the holy people when they're forced they're silent why do they think that they need to be a, sh a sheep, silent? You're a sh sheep, but you're also a lion. You need when you need. There are places where you need to demonstrate the quality of a lamb, and places where you need to demonstrate the quality of a lion. He, as it's written in scripture, you are like a roaring lion, and you yourself are a lion, a righteous is as bold as a lion. He has the boldness of a lion. The other one just roars like a lion, but isn't a lion, but you are a lion. And so when you have spoken uh, the words against their words, why did they become afraid? Because these weren't my words, because the one who blesses you is blessed and the one who curses you is cursed. I said, you yourself had said these words. He says, and I suddenly became a brother to him. He was cussing uh, at me. This was a one of the workers of KGB, and he had a pretty uh, significant position. And first, according to scripture, we're required to pray for you. You at the group, uh, you are in the group of those who are at risk. Uh, 
But because of your decisions, a lot of lives depend on your decisions, and the scriptures have commanded us to pray for the authorities, principalities, powers, and so that it be good for you and us. And first of all, that's first. And second, I look at you as a person, as a creation of God. And third, I look at you as a falling sinner, and if you don't repent, you will perish. When I began to say these things, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I emotionally felt uh, some kind of compassion for this person. Maybe it was shown in my eyes, the atmosphere uh, was, he began to cry. He stood up, he stretched out his hand to me and said, I have read a lot of books about goodness, but the first time in my life do I see this kind of goodness uh, physically allow me to greet, uh, shake your hand. I am your friend. My close friends asked me, are you afraid to go there? <clears throat> when I came from there, they thought that if I go there, uh, I'll not return. And they asked what happened. And after this uh, incident, I didn't know this person, and he was always with bodyguards following him. And it looks like every day at a specific time, he passed where where I, I was working. And I already knew who he was. And when he... And every time he'd pass me, he would, uh, as they do in in Japan, they would uh, fold their hands and bow. I see the policemen that, that, that were standing there. They started uh, coming closer and, and kind of uh, trying to warm up, uh, as you, should, uh, you would say, asking me, uh, warm, warming up to me, asking me who I was. And so I, they asked me, who, who are you? And I said, I'm a person of God. But and they said, yeah, well, those are also people of God around, but they don't, they don't do uh, this, they don't do the same things to them as they do to you. And so, if you truly will live by God, God will make it that uh, that they'll bow before you. If the Lord is with you truly, this godliness, you become the goodness of God for other people. God has given this goodness so that we can spread it, so that you be good, a goodness, a blessing for other people. And this can only be the small flock. 1 Corinthians 10.5 but with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. 1 Corinthians 10.5 I remember when I was asked to speak on the radio, and at one time I did agree to go, and I was talking about the chosen and the called. A woman who started shouting on the phone, Who are you? that you, you're you sending people to hell. And I said, I'm not selling anyone, sending anyone to hell. It's Jesus who said there are many uh, are called, but few are chosen. 
you ask Christ, uh, uh, you ask Christ uh, why he said these words. Know that these aren't my words. I'm not the author of those words. Jesus, I'm a carrier of those words, and Jesus has spoken those words more than once. Every parable was finished with the words, there, for, there are many who are called, but few are chosen. And it's also written in Revelations. Godliness and the selective love of God is seen in the foreknowledge of God. The Lord has appeared of old to me. And I looked, how has this of appeared of old to me? And in the original it says, from eternity. Many words they've translated not really accurately. When it says of old, that means it from eternity. He said, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Jeremiah 31, 31.3. And let's see, are there other places that God has loved us eternally before we were God had loved us just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world the world was not created the physical world wasn't existing but we were already in the entrails of the heavenly father every one of us he saw as how we will be in the end in the beginning and the end he already saw this the path that we will walk he together with us had passed this way and experienced all of the pain and there was no peace yet that's the selective love of God godliness that's where it came from from eternity just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the pre dispension of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ when we begin to understand these things by listening to the word of God because the faith of God is information it's not emotions again I will say when people when you come to me periodically people still come to me periodically brothers and sisters I lost communication with God I can't find it before uh, and now I don't feel it I say stop enough God has led you out of this uh, state of infancy. While you were an infant, you were led by emotions. When you became spiritual, you need to be led by information. Information. Faith is by hearing the word of God. Information. Faith is information. You need to know who God is for you, what he has done for you, and it's not important what you feel. You can feel all kinds of things. Anything could be there because it's emotions. In some way, your emotions can be feeling depressive or dark. God can submerge your emotions in some kind of depth, and you will experience that depth. 
But at this, at this time, information says that God has seated you with Jesus Christ. He selected you before the creation of the world. And you need to tell this inner depression, Lord, I thank you that you have seated me with Jesus Christ, that you have justified me, redeemed me. You are my strength, my healing. When you begin to say this, then you will see where your depression will go. But people don't say, no, I feel this or I don't feel this. Pray for me. And I said, I will not pray for you. For these things, you don't pray. You're a person of the Spirit. Thank God for who He is for you and what He's done for you and everything will go away. Godliness in the selective love of God is seen in the favor of God that is presented in Christ Jesus. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 3, 16, 17. <clears throat> the great mystery of godliness is within him receiving Christ into your heart by the word of God we receive God's favor as well God's goodness the kingdom of God and we can receive this when our egg is able to be fertilized but if we are like in the songs of Solomon as the younger sister who's not yet matured what will happen when they come and ask for her when the preached word will be heard God we are, God asks for us when we hear the word about the kingdom of heaven that is how we are betrothed to God this is how he offers a union with us when we hear his word about the kingdom that he wants to be enthroned within you. He wants to make your body a stronghold of life. In this way, he wants to be betrothed to you. Another voice says, I am a wall and my breast like towers. I will be as one who has found peace in his eyes. A tower is the ability to hear the voice of God and to sense beforehand whether you're an enemy or a friend, differentiate God's voice from other voices in those people who preach the word. Jesus Christ is the head of the body of Christ. If Christ is not the head of the church but mammon, then of course there will not be any favor of God towards men. There will be the favor of Satan. He will bless them materialistically at we need to think about what we're going to think about that's what will happen in your in your mind if i want a million dollars a brother uh said i've thought about i want to earn a million dollars this year and you need to think about this meditate about this and i ask him what if god wanted to give you two million and you're only thinking about one million that means you're resisting god's will or if God wants to give you not a million, but a 500,000, but God, but you're thinking about a million, you're resisting God's will. And he opened his eyes wide and then said, how? And I said, stop listening to the emissaries of, of mammon and uh, going to different churches. And there, there, there's a pastor, it's Dollar, his name is Dollar, he's not pastor of God, he's a pastor of Satan, all those who preach about uh, 
prosperity as a priority is an emissar of Satan. They've attracted a lot of people to, to destruction because people go to the sermons where they talk about becoming wealthy but the scriptures say seek the kingdom of heaven in his righteousness and all the rest will be added to you it's God's prerogative to bless us as much as he wills if he wants to bless us with a million he will if he wants to bless us with a thousand dollars he'll bless us thank you thank God for what he has blessed you with it's not important the, the amount you have what is important the blessing that is in what you've received God, the thing that God had given the widow it was a little but it was sufficient in the time of hunger those who were of the rich man they spent all their wealth and died from hunger when an economical crisis comes it sometimes turns out that millionaire, millionaires and within an hour become poor don't think oh what, what are we going to do God is on your side and the future belongs to you. God will not leave you. At the time of crisis, he will be with you as he was with this widow. He will send Elijah to you, whom you will feed. And this Elijah is the person of God that stands as head of the church where Christ is head, where the kingdom of heaven is preached and his righteousness. Seek the kingdom of heaven in his righteousness. Because the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so you can't seek the kingdom of heaven separately and his righteousness separately. Again, the translator, translators here had made a mistake because in the Greek, such words uh, buy in that some of them don't exist. And so you can it could easily be uh, confused with the, with the, with the other. There, it's more towards meaning and not just those detailed words. Seek the kingdom of heaven in his righteousness. So how can you seek the righteousness of God separate from his kingdom? Seek the kingdom of heaven in his righteousness. All the rest will be added to you. Just as I say, when, when I was in the Soviet Union and, and you purchase a specific expensive book and and then they'll add a specific uh, books uh, to this or uh, documents and they gave out free additional information the uh, uh, dictations of the 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 government of the time and they gave all the, these uh, these particular documents, these instructions, and so forth of the communistic party, what communism is, and so forth. And so that is what the Lord says. It's my prerogative. Your prerogative is to seek me, and my prerogative is to bless you as I will. When you begin to live by faith and understand that, then God will be glorified in, in one people's in the little and others uh, with more money, we need to understand that more money is more responsibility, and this money, God intends that you serve Him with the money that He gives you, that you uh, build the kingdom of heaven in yourself. If He gave them to you, that means He gave it to you for a reason, not so you just spend everything for yourself. You can live richly. God's not against this. He gave it to you, but you need to honor God from what He gives you. 
Further, godliness in the selective love of God is seen in Christ's yoke and in Christ's burden. What's interesting, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you take my yoke upon you, then you will receive my favor within this yoke. There's my favor, the favor of the Heavenly Father. If you want to receive fa the favor of the Heavenly Father, take my yoke is what he says. And to take it, you need to be a student. Learn from me. You need to be a student and possess the state of gentleness. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Gentleness is the discipline, is the restraining of your mouth and your emotions, so that to lead your emotions uh, towards the will of God. Our informational organ needs to rule over our emotional organ. We need to lead our emotions. In any moment, you can uplift your emotions. I'm like you, my emotions they depend from the we the weather, uh, the reaction of another person, but I easily lift them up. As soon as my emotions begin to uh, go down and don't want to, I say, what's wrong? The Lord is with us, and my emotions gladly obey before uh, it wouldn't. I, I would uh, dictate them, and they wouldn't do anything. Our emotions are a horse that's, un that's not disciplined. But as soon as you begin to discipline him, you will, bold, boldness, uh, you can't with boldness speak without emotions. You need to utilize your emotions in that case. You can't glory, glorify God without your emotions. If a person, oh, without emotions, you need to use your emotions. You need to know who God is for you when you say, this is God, this is your father. Begin to proclaim confidently, independent from what you feel, and your horse will learn he will love you as uh, your emotions will begin to love you as its owner a horse is very dedicated to its owner and will die for its owner if today they're against you they'll be for you upon the condition of course that you will be obedient to the truth that you hear right now we are going to pray let us bend our knees however who is comfortable and we will pray those who want to confront the fear untimely death illnesses poverty dependence from sin whatever this dependence may be drugs smoking alcohol perversions of all kinds lusts god can and wants to deliver you from it right now we will pray for you and those who desire to confront these things and be delivered from these things we will pray for you I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is for you. He's not against you. Close your eyes, lift your hands to God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you with my fears, with my sin, with my dependence, with a wounded heart. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, Cleanse me, heal my wounds, cover my shame. I hate 
this reigning sin within my body. May it be destroyed and cast into hell. According to your word, I open up my heart so that you enter in and become governor so I be a stronghold of resurrection I believe in this and I accept this and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that according to your word I am washed I am cleansed I am healed I am restored I am justified and I am saved Amen Amen. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May the blessings of the hills and the valleys be upon you. May Christ be governor in your body and Make the stronghold of death as a stronghold of resurrection and life. May this be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you. And the nation shall say, Amen. May the Lord be blessed in His Word, in His Spirit, in His nation. Blessed is the Lord in His righteousness and His goodness for His people. And let us finish our service with our manifestation. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.